into this next episode, then in the ministry of Jesus here in Luke 5, we see him uh, beginning to establish the apostolic foundation, if you will, of the church. Uh, the way the beginning of chapter 5 is structured shows us the significance of the miracle is not so much in this text in the miracle itself, but it's in Christ's call to Peter after this miracle to basically bring the presence of Christ into the world. Everything we see now has to be read in light of chapter 4, verse 43. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. This is the priority of Jesus, to preach. It was why he was sent by the Father. His teaching in the boat and this miraculous catch of fish are part of his necessity to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. The power of this word is why Jesus says he will build the church. Because we don't have the power to do anything like this, beloved. We cannot speak to nature and it would obey us. We therefore cannot save people. We can't make them come. At the word of Jesus, however, all that needs done can and will be accomplished. The power of the word is the source and means of the church's ministry. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful this morning that You meet us in Your Word by the power of Your Holy Spirit. Father, please help me preach this morning. God, You have not called me to preach my own word, my own thoughts, my own agendas, but to proclaim Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. So Lord, I pray that You would overshadow me with Your Holy Spirit that this might happen. I don't have the ability to do it. In my flesh, I need you for everything that's about to take place. God, please help me. Please help everyone that hears. Father, open our ears. Open the eyes of our hearts in particular. Help us see Christ and believe as I ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid from now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Peter and his business partners had been out fishing all night. They were tradesmen. They knew what they were doing. They certainly knew when it was the best time to fish and where the best places were to catch them. And they had caught nothing. Jesus was also working that morning. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret while these Great crowds were pressing in on him to hear the word of God in verse 1. 
that's when he saw Peter, James, and John in their two boats as they were washing their nets. So they're done for the day. The fish were not biting. Maybe try again later, try again tomorrow. But practicality and the divine must of Jesus intersect here. As we look down in verse 3 again. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus is here to preach, and so he puts himself in the best place available to proclaim the gospel to as many people as possible. In other words, the preaching word of Jesus comes first in this text. Everything else that happens in this passage happens then. We're meant to see and understand as a result of this great authoritative word from Jesus. And it all takes place here within the context of fishing. The setting, the vocabulary, boat, lake, nets, fish, all this meaning... We should take the image of fishing as a good metaphor for the work of Jesus and His disciples and the church very seriously. It's a very good metaphor for how the church spreads and is built. This is what happens in the proclamation of the gospel. And without even realizing it, Peter has become a partner in the ministry of the Word by hosting Jesus in his boat. By giving Jesus, if you will, a place to speak. And now... Jesus wants to show his appreciation, perhaps, if you will, in verse 4. So he tells Simon Peter to go back out fishing, put out into the deep, and let your nets down for a catch. Now, we can't really read Simon's tone in verse 5, but he might have been trying to be nice and humoring Jesus, not wanting to be disrespectful. Jesus was an amazing teacher. Simon Peter knows this. He was a miraculous healer. After all, he just healed his mother-in-law back in chapter 4, verse 39. But he's not a fisherman. That's not what he does. That's not where he's authoritative. That's not what he knows. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. They've already, already been out in the deep water. They've been letting their nets down all night. And it doesn't seem like they've even had a bite. So surely Simon knows better than Jesus, doesn't he? If, if the... If the daytime was the best time to go deep sea fishing, they wouldn't have been done for the night. They wouldn't have been coming in after having been out already all night. Late at night, overnight, in the deep, that's when you expect to catch the fish, not during the day in the deep. This was his life's work. It was his livelihood. livelihood. If he wasn't good at it, if he didn't know the trade, he wouldn't have a livelihood. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Right. Amen. Stay right there, Peter. Stay right there. At your word. Now, Peter knows something is unique about the power that seems to be in just the very words of Jesus. He can rebuke the fever. He can cast out demons by it. So, so who knows? If you say, then okay. We don't know how much devotion there is in that, but that's what he says. If he says to do something, might as well do it, and you don't want it to be awkward. And the next thing we know in verses 6 and 7... They have to call for the other boat. Their nets are breaking due to the sheer weight of all the fish. That's a ton of fish. They didn't make cheap nets. And they're starting to sink. It's so heavy. So demons obey Jesus. Fevers obey Jesus. And now we know fish, nature, obeys Jesus too. This is the connection between Jesus and His Word. We don't even know that He said anything. The fish were just going into the nets because apparently that's what Jesus wanted to happen. 
as the word of God incarnate, even his presence has that word's power. Now, if you or I were Simon Peter, surely our first response would be elation. I mean, this is, this is a lot of money in these nets. This is wonderful for your business. That's going to meet some needs for a long time. Like say, like say if Peter, James, and John were going to have to take some time off very shortly because they were going to be given another job. This means their families would be well taken care of and provided for while they're away, if that should happen. But listen one more time to what Peter's immediate reaction actually is, despite all that, in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I don't have any business being around you if you can do such great things. We go on to read that he and James and John were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So they all knew something otherworldly had taken place, something supernatural. But Peter, we don't know about the others, but Peter is undone by all this. Like Isaiah was in Isaiah 6 and his great vision of the throne of God. But Peter hasn't been devastated or overwhelmed, I should say, by a devastating view of God's holiness here in Luke 5. Peter's been overwhelmed by an experience of the overwhelming kindness and goodness and provision of Jesus. It's the gracious presence of God. God providing for him. God granting him something that makes him feel his sin. That he's a sinner. It's, it's not threat, is it? That does that. It's not compulsion that does that. It's this gift of provision that Jesus has accomplished for him that makes Peter say, I shouldn't be in your presence. Right? Maybe when Peter said what he said, he was being snarky. I, I don't know. But, but he surely, we know this much, didn't think that this was going to happen. He's thinking, okay, if you say to do it, we'll do it, but we're not going to catch anything. And now, because he felt like that, he's thinking... You need to get away from me. I'm a sinner. I can't be around what you are. Simon Peter realizes that this Jesus he's been around is too good. He's too amazing. He's too other to be in the presence of one like him. An unbelieving fisherman, tradesman, right? Surely if Jesus is on the earth, if this is the Messiah, the Son of God, he's not hanging out with fishermen. Peter calls Jesus Master in this text and even calls Him Lord here in verse 8. He's been around Jesus for a while. right? He's, he's been we, we put this picture together from the Gospels. He's been around Jesus for some time, following Him in some way, listening to Him. This, this, so we're not meant to see this as what we would think of necessarily as a conversion experience. This would be in some sense a post-conversion experience, if you will. A new revelation has hit home for Simon Peter, even though he's been with Jesus in some sense for a while. The frightful awareness of his utter sinfulness and ungodliness. That's new to Peter. The closer we get to Jesus, the more clearly we see him for what he is, which means 
the more clearly we see ourselves for what we are. But there's something settling about that also, actually. And a little bit calming, if we're honest. Now we know the real truth. Now we're not, you know, putting our best foot forward hoping He won't notice. Now we know that Jesus knows what we really are. What will He do? Because at least from here on out it will be clear. Hopefully we all know the real truth about ourselves this morning. But we take note again of what did this to Peter. What caused this revelation of his own unworthiness. Again, it wasn't a revelation of devastating holiness. But of his goodness and kindness and provision. It was amazing grace that did this to Peter. God's great power and provision revealed to Peter that Jesus was much more than some powerful conjurer of cheap tricks. Right? Or even just a great teacher. At your word, I will let down the nets. Did Peter even know what he was saying? Peter had thought he had authority when it came to fishing in the presence of Jesus. Then Peter finds out, oh wait, all I have is sin and need, actually. That's what I am. Thankfully then, beloved, Jesus had come to proclaim the gospel since that's what's true about Peter and about us. When Jesus genuinely reveals Himself, the response is not what the Pharisees think it is. Thank you for... We know why you're here. Thank you for noticing us. Thank you for recognizing us. The proper response is, I have no business even being near you. At the word of Jesus, the nets would be filled to overflowing. And it is when Jesus proves this that He commissions the first disciples in Luke's Gospel. After this, after He proves He can catch fish. Look at the second part of verse 10 there. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. What a thing to say. The man has just said, Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. Notice how Jesus does not respond to Peter's confession that he's a great sinner. Jesus does not say, Oh, well, this is embarrassing. I had wanted to call you into service, but I can't use sinners in my service. You're unfit. I'm going to have to move on and find somebody else. No, apparently Jesus wants sinners in His service. Or maybe to say it better, Jesus wants people that know they're sinners in His service. And it's a good thing. Because what else is there in the ocean of this world than sinners? Jesus doesn't reinvent the wheel. He uses fish to catch fish. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. That isn't just an empty statement about their lives going forward. It's not even uh, a, a clever thing he says in the moment that what we're going to be doing is kind of like catching fish. No, it is catching fish. People, though. That's what it is. If Jesus can bring fish, can bring fish into a net by His Word, then He can bring people into His kingdom by that Word. That's what Jesus has just revealed. And if He commissions people to do that, 
by that same word, they now have the power to do that by that word. If the one that has the power gives the power, then those to whom he gives it can do what he himself has done. As long as they never forget that Jesus is in the boat, making the fish come into the net, not them. They're just throwing out the nets at the word of Jesus because he said that's what to do. If that's all they do, rather than try to catch the fish themselves and create better, cooler nets or whatever it is, and, and impart their ingenuity about fishing into it, if none of that happens, if you just have Jesus in the boat and you throw out the nets in the deep because he said to, you'll catch fish. As many as Jesus wants you to, when he wants you to catch them and where he wants you to catch them, just say at your word, we will let down the nets. That's it. That's the church's calling. This is not only the birth of the church founded by the apostles. This is the paradigm for how that church will grow to the ends of the earth and from where it will get the power to do something like bring people into God's boat, which is a metaphor here for the church. Jesus is not only competent to catch great fish, He is gracious to accept great sinners. The work Jesus has for them to be done will be done in His power. The Word that has the power to bring fish into a net and cast out demons and heal fevers is the same Word that brings people near to Jesus in salvation. The Word does it all. The power of God's Word of grace will build the church of Jesus Christ. We don't have to grease the wheels. Right? Why we do this? Preachers are, we preachers are really bad about this. Alright? I am bad about this. No question. If I craft this argument just right, if, if I say this sentence, if I do this, if I touch on this nerve, that'll do it. That'll bring about the change. That'll bring about the conversion. No, Tony, it won't. Ever. Ever. We must trust the power of the gospel, the word of Christ for us to catch the fish, beloved, to draw people into the net. It is sufficient. He is sufficient. As Arthur Just writes, the miracle of bringing fish into the boat is the miracle of making the unworthy sinner fit to stay in the presence of the holy God. After all, the miracle of forgiveness will be proclaimed in the next three passages of this section as we get into those in the following Sundays, God willing. The grace of God causes everything that is pleasing to God in His church. To catch fish, you needed a net and a boat. To catch people, you need the word of forgiveness from Jesus and the commission to give that same word to others in the proclamation of the gospel. This is how the church is created and formed and preserved. This is how it always grows God's way. The power of the word of God's grace for us in Christ Jesus. The power of the word. The very presence of Jesus is the source and means of the church's ministry. You and I may toil all night. We might work all day. When it comes to saving people, we will catch nothing. When it comes to building the church, we will catch nothing unless, unless Jesus 
speaks His Word that fills the nets and makes us what He is, a fisher of men. He came to draw people into His boat. It's a lifeboat, beloved. A lifeboat. And it's big enough for the world. Jesus came not only to bring you into His boat and call you His own. Beloved, He came to send you out in His gracious power to give that same word of forgiveness to others. That's all the church has. We are at our best. We are at our best. We are at our most effective when our whole philosophy is at your word. We will let down the nets. Let us stay right there and trust the one who has the power to bring fish into a net and people into his kingdom. Jesus knows how to catch fish to catch you. Amen. Would you stand, please? I suppose I know where many of you are, but I don't know where all of you are. I really don't know where any of you are, but you do. The net has been cast out. Jesus wants you in His boat. He loves you. He has not only come to save you, He's come to change your life to be lived towards Him. And if you are a sinner, perfect. He doesn't use anyone else. The Holy Spirit will abide with you. He will guide your life. He will direct your steps. He will lead you into paths of righteousness. Trust Him. Just get in the boat. All right. If I can help you pray, I'll be here. Because Jesus is here. Because Jesus is in the boat for you. Let's sing together. I'll be down there.